Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. But every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning to you. Do you know 10 years ago this morning... What was happening 10 years ago this very morning douglas village was under several feet of water it was 2012 the massive flood do you remember it it happened when the the gate there where the water is supposed to go under the road came out and went over the road down tesco and made absolute mess of douglas village that was 10 years ago today after a big storm where had i been that night the night of the storm i'd been in sighton town with my good pal roy buckley on one of our uh, song collector sessions which leads me to start this morning this tuesday morning which thankfully is improving uh, by mentioning that i'm so proud to know roy buckley he has been invited get this for if you haven't heard it before he's been invited to tour the united states of america for the 50th anniversary tour of the dublin city ramblers so We've come on a good way, myself and the bucko, over the last 10 years. Good morning. Coming to you live this morning from Studio 1.5. So hope everything is okay. I want to turn first to the breaking news story this morning that the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, has published or will publish details today of a new strategy to combat domestic, sexual and gender-based violence. She'll bring this to Cabinet and it'll have a number of different strands to it. And it's going to cost a heck of a lot of money to do it. €363 million. Joined by Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun. Adam, would you go through for me what's in this package, please? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, so the Minister is out this morning saying that this will be one of the most ambitious plans to tackle domestic abuse and gender-based violence in the history of the state. So the plan is called Zero Tolerance and it spans over five years. But part of that is 
144 measures that are included in the plan will be front-loaded to be completed within the next 18 months, which is something new we're seeing in many policies uh, at the moment, that they want to make action and, and make headway with it straight away. So that's good to see. It's built on four principles. Those principles are protection, prevention, prosecution and policy coordination. And just to run through one or two of the little bits that I've been flagged that these are going to be included. So they're going to double the amount of refuge spaces from 141 to 280. Now you'll remember there's been a lot of controversy about nine counties in Ireland having no refuge spaces at all. So this is going to eradicate that and double the number of places there are for people who are victims of domestic abuse so that they have somewhere to go. Another measure that's included is that they will double the maximum sentence for assault causing harm. Now that offence is the most popular, the most common I suppose, sorry, um, yeah. the most common offence in domestic abuse cases. So they'll double that from five years to ten years. And then they're also going to have a new training programme for frontline healthcare workers, for example ambulance workers and, and hospital workers, so that they'll be able to spot domestic violence cases and flag them up. Now all of this will be coordinated under a new statutory agency that's going to be created by 2020 24, so a new state body that will oversee the impl- implementation of all this. Uh, 2024, it's a distance away, but I guess you could argue these things do take time. Look at the refuge centres for me, uh, Adam. How quickly are they going to come on stream, do we know? That's a good question. So we'll get further details on this today, but I think that is one of the measures that's included in the 18-month timeline, so before the end of next year. And they... It, Part of this will include, now see, the, there was always an issue here with funding, whether the Department of Justice should fund these, Department of Housing, which place should have this. this. So what's going to happen is there will be ring fence funding for the first time from the Department of Housing to build and create these refuge accommodations. So they've got an agreement on that, and that's going to go ahead now over the next year and a half. Okay. They're talking about maximum sentences. Not hearing anything about minimum sentences, though, for, for things like the, um, the, the assaults. That's a good point, Jess. The maximum sentence will double from five to ten, and that's for abuse-causing harm. Now, when it comes to minimum sentences, last week Fianna Fáil launched a policy document uh, calling for you know tougher uh, implementation of sentences. And something that Jim O'Callaghan mentioned was sentence guidelines. So, for example, we've seen recently that the Judicial Council came up with sentence guidelines for insurance cases and payouts and things like that. And he is questioning why can't we do similar stuff for domestic violence or gender violence-based crimes? So, for example, if someone is convicted of domestic violence or gender uh, violence, that there would be a minimum and maximum sentence, as you suggest. And we haven't got the full details of this plan yet, so the plan will be released in full after it goes to Cabinet. There's going to be a big press conference with, with Minister McEntee and the Taoiseach will also be in, ten, in attendance at that. So we'll get further details there. Yeah, this, this kind of is a bit of a panto, isn't it, Adam, in that something like this, she's bringing it to Cabinet to make a big play about that. It's all going to go through, and they're, even, they're, just, they're just planning what they'll say at the press conference. It, it is all a bit of political showmanship, I suppose. Well, I was speaking to um, a source last night and I was questioning. So last week when I mentioned that Fianna Fáil policy document, last week uh, Fianna Fáil brought with them Jason Poole. Now, your your listeners might remember Jason Poole's sister, Jennifer Poole, was murdered by her ex-partner last year in Dublin in, in yes. her home. They had broken up and, and he had murdered her, stabbed her to death. So he came and he had brought this idea with him that he wanted a domestic violence register. So if someone is convicted of 
of a domestic abuse crime that the Gardaí would be able to tell their future partner, look, he's on this register and, you know, he has a history of domestic abuse or she, apologies. And so that register was a, pl- a plan he brought to Fianna Fáil and I put this to a source last night saying, look, is this going to be in the plan? And they said, many more measures will be announced as part of it tomorrow. So I think there is some, I won't say surprises, but some measures will be held back today to be announced okay. as part of this press conference. Okay, it is a major development though and it is going to cost a whole pile of money. Of course, Adam, the the political geek in me now says, well, everything jumps over at the end of the year. There'll be a new Taoiseach and a new cabinet. So none of that, and and of course, Minister McEntee is due to go out on maternity leave again at the end of the year. Nothing like that could could, um, discombobulate any of this, I guess. I don't think it could, it's a good point, but I don't think it could derail the plan. The only thing it could do was probably slow it down. So this is something that Minister McIntyre is very keen to get over the line. And domestic abuse and gender-based violence has been something that's been on her radar since she took control of that office. Now, you're right to say she goes out on maternity leave at the end of the year. There will be some sort of a cabinet reshuffle. We don't know how that's going to break down until December. And will the new... Justice Minister, if there is to be a new Justice Minister, will they have the same passion to get this over the line? We don't know. They might have their own priorities. So you're right to say that it could be, say, slowed down. But as part of this, this is a whole of government approach. This is a whole of government, uh, like it runs through mm. several different departments. So there will be, they will all be involved. But will there be the same passion to get all of those 144 measures done in the next 18 months, which is a very ambitious target? It is. It is. Come, come back lastly to me on the, the centres again, the refuge centre, because that's the, you know, we know the nine counties that have nothing. So they are saying a start on those in the next 18 months, one would presume, for want of a better expression, shovels in the ground by the end of this year. Exactly, that's what we're looking for now. And, and they may not all be new build ca- construction centers. They may be, you know, acquired and things like that. And also to point out, the, this person I spoke to about this last night told me that that will be at least 280 uh, refuge spaces. So from 141 to at least. So they do want to shoot over that target. This is just the minimum target. Do you, do you happen to know, Adam, if West Cork is on that uh, proposed list I haven't got a full view of the list yet, but I imagine what they want to do is spread this across all counties. So they want to kind of eradicate this thing that you'll see the National Women's Council and other groups constantly uh, targeting the government and saying that there needs to be refuge spaces in every county as opposed to these nine counties that have none. So I would imagine there will be spaces in all counties at the end of this plan. And if not, it would seem a bit of a failure to me if they left places out. Yeah, yeah, West West Cork, of course, Cork being the biggest county in the country, West parts of West Cork for many, many miles, there is nowhere for people to go. It would be a failure if that didn't get started, but Adam will see it when it happens. Adam, thank you very much. Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun. So that's the news this morning coming from Minister for Justice, uh, Helen McEntee. We've talked about uh, gender and sexual and domestic violence on the programme so many times over the years. She says she'll do this in the next 18 months. Uh, centres, huge number of centres, changes in the law, maximum sentences, but not minimum sentences. Is that uh, a failure on your part? 
uh, uh, on your view rather, should there be minimum sentences for domestic violence based offences? Should there be minimum sentences for that kind of assault? If you think there should, then 0818 96 96 96 or text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 and of course we'd love to get your voicemails. Just coming back to something that we were talking about yesterday morning, people were very angry about those awful scenes at the end of the match in Croke Park at the weekend, the eye gouging. Now, uh, it seems as if there will be action by the GAA against the individual involved. His name is out there. I don't intend to use it. But you'd wonder, is it more, is it enough to just have the GAA take action? But Kate says, I have a very simple, but I think very effective idea here. The GAA camps are starting now, the summer camps. And I think if the captains of both teams had a video where they both humbly said brawling wasn't acceptable and they felt ashamed, I think it would send out a message that would really hit home for young players. Thanks, Kate, for that. Your thoughts also to 0818 96 96 96. I just want to come back to something before I go to the break there. Come back to something that... Um, I missed yesterday and we actually did get a response from the organisers of the show in Charleville. Brian was on to the opinion and he said, I just wanted to bring your attention to the Charleville Agricultural Show. First time it's back in three years and all that, great to have it. But guess what? 20 euro per person to get in. Now that is ridiculous for my family to go 100 euro. It takes into consideration the cost of other things inside as well. This is madness and very unfair to ask uh, people to pay this much in today's current economic climate. We did ask the organisers of the show, of that show, for a response. We got it and I'll give it to you later in the hour. 0818 96 96 96. Stream the freshest hits of 2022 on the Hit Mix. Let's go! Or find the biggest workout bangers on the Fit Mix. The Quartz 96 FM Hit Mix and Fit Mix are streaming live right now. Streaming live right now. Download the Quartz 96 FM app. Listen on your smart speaker. Or go to 96fm.ie. Quartz 96 FM. In just regards to the match and the eye gouging and all of that, John O'Donovan says the guy they are paid to be at the matches. In the video, we saw two Gardaí standing by. That's quite a violent incident developed. They didn't even try to assert authority or defuse the situation, never mind arrest anybody. Yeah, saw that, John. I think, and I'm open to correction on this, I think the guards act under slightly different rules when they're standing on a GAA pitch. I think... Again, I could be wrong here. I've no doubt Finney Mac or someone will let me know if I'm wrong. I think they have to be asked to intervene by officials. Uh, but I may be wrong on that. 0818 96 96 96. Now, yesterday at Cork Circuit Criminal Court, Judge Helen Boyle jailed a woman called Sonia Egan. Um, from Killeen's in County Cork her address the lawn Liscara Killeen's County Cork she's a 43 year old woman she was jailed for three years with the last year suspended she was jailed for harassment of former Sinn Féin TD Jonathan O'Brien and a woman called Laura O'Connell and this went on over a prolonged period of time she also imposed a lot of conditions uh, she suspended the third year of the sentence on condition that uh, Sonia Egan would have no communication with 
or about either of the injured parties for a period of seven years and not even approach within 50 yards of their homes or their places of work. There have been two victim impact statements brought to court. Uh, Jonathan O'Brien, I'm reading here from the examiner, but it's in all your papers today. Jonathan O'Brien had said what affected him most was that Sonia Egan learned personal information about his mother and his father and posted it online. This caused him enormous distress, according to the judge, saying that approaches had been made to Mr O'Brien's children and that also caused severe distress. In the case of both people, the judge said that uh, both Jonathan O'Brien and Laura O'Connell had to have a public online presence. Uh, Jonathan, because of his political work, and Laura, because of her her business. Uh, And last evening, I spoke uh, with Laura O'Connell after the court case was over. Laura, now that it's over, how do you feel? Is it over? (laughs) Really? Um, It's not over. And I think that was part of my victim impact statement is people like this don't stop. But hopefully I get a little bit more peace um, and less drama going on in my life. Uh, And how do I feel? I'm pretty numb at the moment and I feel pretty tired right now. Um, And I'm a little bit all over the place. I'm usually very grounded, but... Yeah, I'm a little bit shook today, to be honest. Yeah. Your victim impact statement was was very strong. Thank you. It took a lot out of me. I'd say it did. I'd say it did. Remind us again how you came across Sonia Egan in the first place. Um, So back then, four years ago, I would be very involved on a local basis within the community uh, in a few different things. And she just made a beeline for me at a meeting. Um, She introduced herself as a barrister and investigative journalist. And Mm -hmm. she she posed as a barrister and met you for coffee. She met myself and a few others from the group um, for a coffee to give us some legal advice and how we could further the campaign and how to protect ourselves if memory serves right. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, that, that was, that was it really, but quickly became aware um, of, you know, of, of who she was. And mm. when I went to look into it a bit further, I realised that wasn't the case. Yeah, it um, got very intense. Extremely. I don't think anybody but Jonathan and her families could really understand the intensity of what we experienced and, and had to endure. And there genuinely, PJ, was nowhere to go to for help or support or protection. There was no getting away from her, was there? I mean, it was relentless. Unreal. Um, Everywhere I went, it wasn't her, it was somebody associated with her and became a very unsafe place to be um, as well. I'd even been the most bizarre and peculiar of places and there she'd be. It's just unreal um, how obsessed she became, actually. Right. You tried to stop her. You tried to take civil action. 
Yeah, uh, we were forced a year, probably a year after I met her. Um, I became aware of others that were experiencing similar uh, behavior and treatment. And um, I sought an injunction and she breached that injunction numerous times. Um, but it just aggravated her and it made her worse. And yeah, it was just down the Swanee River after that, or should I say the River Lee. You were trying to build a business yourself at the time, which is why you had to have a public profile so Mm. she could always find you. Yes, and it was what she would say about me in public. Um, Obviously, I could see what she was saying about me online, but it was when I wasn't there or, you know, two two people in person. Um, That was the scary thing. It was a really... Uh, starting up a business, um, you know, you, you have your your aims and your goals and your objectives, and there's some this publicity that you have to do around it, especially with the line of work that I was getting into. And yeah, she made it extremely difficult, um, but I got through that, and I, yeah. I still got on with it. Um, but it's only now I'm hearing of the severity of the rumours and what people believed. And I think that's probably the most upsetting part because I had worked 20 plus years in building up a good reputation and a good character and to be um, that person to go to. um, She destroyed me, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. The fact that she will spend time now uh, behind bars at least she can get access to a telephone. So does that aspect of it, the fact that she now won't be able to access you, does that give you some relief? Um, yes and no. Um, because even since court, others are misbehaving online and, and dredging up stuff and... I have one or two friends who are keeping a close eye just to tell me about the nature of some stuff. Um, It wasn't just one person. Yes, 100% responsibility is on her, but there are several others um, who just exacerbated all of this as well. And it's just a classic case of bullying. You're facing a huge legal bill. Um, yeah, I got, um, I got completely shocked with the legal bill and yeah, there were costs awarded, but (laughs) I'm I'm so afraid of this person. I mean, do you realistically go after that person for costs? Is there any compensation available? Hmm. But it's, it's literally fine because it's not just those costs. There's costs to try to work on other stuff in the background, um, you know, my health and all of that. Yeah. How has your health been affected by this? Well, I have Lyme disease and the worst thing with Lyme is to uh, be under stress. Yeah. So um, I've had to try to combat and work around that. I'm a lone parent. Um, so people don't really understand the, the financial hardships Um but I'll be honest, um, that's now forced me into, I, I need, I'm now at the moment dealing with insolvency services. Okay. It's, it's just gone ridiculous. So yeah. 
it's not just the bullying, there's other stresses. And I think it's very unfair that anybody should be put into that position to try to protect themselves. And that's where I feel very unjust, actually. Yeah. Like you were awarded costs, but the the reality is going after those costs would take you back down a road you don't want to go. There's the element of that. I can't afford to go back into court, PJ, to even initiate those type of proceedings. It means that I now have to face her again uh, if I do want to go after those costs. And um, yeah, at some point, you know, to be honest, that system just doesn't work Mm -hmm. for the victim. Um, It really genuinely doesn't. And that's where changes need to happen Mm -hmm. as well. There was an apology read out by her defence counsel, Mr. Salmon, yesterday, a letter that she'd written in which she said she was sorry and that her experience did not justify her offending. She did not realise the extent of her behaviour until it got out of control. She said, I'm not going to make excuses. I'm truly sorry. I wish the complainants the best of luck. May God be with them and their families. Does that cut any mustard with you? Does anybody believe that? Where was the apology last year, two years ago? Why did it have to go to criminal court? And that apology is, there's no genuineness in it whatsoever. If she was truly sorry, go pay my legal fees. Yeah. So what do you do now? Laura, to get on with your life? Um, I'm contemplating moving and um, contemplating winding everything down. And um, what do I do? I, I really don't know, PJ. It's, it's, it's really affected me this year psychologically. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you helped with that? No. Um, that the resources aren't there, the supports aren't there. I've even lost friends along the way because of this. And um, yeah, it's what do I do now? And all I can try to do is put one foot in front of the other. Um, And I think finally I can talk about it because I've had to keep it so quiet. And speaking about it helps that people will now fully understand the impact of bullying and online bullying. And... Ireland and society in general needs to do a whole lot more to start protecting people Mm. um, in and around these as well. It should never have been able to get as far as it got. Yeah. And I guess I'm proud of myself that I did stand up to it. Um, But that comes at a cost too. I know. Well, look, I wish you well with getting your life back together and however you do manage to do that. And thanks for speaking with me today, Laura. You're welcome. Thanks, PJ. That's Laura O'Connell speaking to me yesterday after the court case in which uh, Sonia Sonia Egan received a three-year sentence uh, with the last year suspended but Judge Helen Boyle imposing significant levels of conditions on her. 0818 96 96 96. Text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. PJ, this is Michael. If the GA is serious about dealing with violence, then might I suggest both teams involved in that brawl 
be disqualified from further participation in any competition for the next 12 or 13 months. That would send a clear message. But no, strong condemnation will be issued. And carry on as usual again. Yeah, Michael, heads will be sagely nodded. Uh, but PJ, of greater concern, he says, should be the position of Angarda Shikana. Uniformed members were present at the scene of the incident. The matter was seen on TV around the world, but the official Garda position is no complaint has been made, so no action. Despite working Gardaí witnessing the incident. Is it any wonder crime's on the increase? Yeah, Michael, there is a thing about there kind of isn't a case without a complaint, but I do take your point. The guards were there, and I'm not, bl- I'm not blaming the guards for anything that happened on Sunday that was entirely down to the people involved uh, the role of the galley on the pitch at the time I, I don't know enough about it to be quite honest with you but in terms of the gathering of evidence and the formation of a case and putting a filing thing together you got to have a complaint made before you can start an investigation that 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 kind of is how it works. 0818 96 96 96. Come here. I missed a great gig last night, the crowded house gig at the Marquee. Looking at the pictures and videos and reviews online seems to have been an absolute stormer. Crowded house. Chic are there tonight. Olivia Rodrigo finishes out tomorrow night. You've Elton on Friday. We've had Dermot Kennedy, Lewis Capaldi. God knows, we've had so much. The Coronas, well, you can't kind of have it without the Coronas. We had Christy. You definitely can't have a festival in Cork without Christy. And we'd picture this with some fantastic gigs in Cork over the last uh, couple of weeks. And you'll find all that music and all those artists on the Back Garden Festival. We could have no festivals in the summer of 2020 and the summer of 2021. So we did our own online one. And guess what? Through sheer... Public demand, it's back on this year with Harvey Norman and JBL streaming the biggest hits from this summer's headline acts. Uh, the Back Garden Festival on the app or at 96fm.ie. But what you might do for me before you switch over for all that wonderful music is you might just wait till after the opinion. And we'll be do that. We'll make that a plan. Thank you so much. You're so kind. <laughs> uh, right, this came in. Um, hi, PJ. I am a victim of domestic violence. Uh, my so-called husband beat me so badly I was left unconscious. He got no justice whatsoever. I was numerous times in and out of court battling for custody of my kids, who I also had to fight for maintenance for. A judge granted me €50 per child. I got no educational maintenance, so I had to put the kids through school by myself. The family home was repossessed, as I couldn't pay for anything. It's against the law to put someone in fear, In a courtroom, you must be assaulted or injured to get a barring order or protection order. I've been looking over my shoulder for years. I change my route home from work. The torture and the trauma never leaves you. They get away with so much unless they leave you seriously injured. And the struggle to live and wear your kids alone is tough enough. Thank you for that. And your thoughts on that, those plans of... Helen McEntee, Minister for Justice, to tackle d- domestic violence in particular. Your thoughts on those plans are welcome at 0818 96 96 96 or text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. When we're adoring Adele, are you thinking it's not easy on me? And has our love of Justin Bieber got you not wanting to stay? Give me what I want. 
Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100-euro pennies voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. C96FM.ie Courts96FM Come here, just during that break, just to let you know, there's another uh, telephone scam going around. I've just had to block an 084 number, an Irish... O- there's no such thing. Um, I've been getting harassed with just two or three calls there in the space of one go, or uh, one ad break. So 0847, I won't give you the rest of the number, I've just blocked it off my phone, but they're happening, so if you get them, just block the number, because there's nothing good comes off an 084 number, I don't think there's any genuine 084 numbers out there. Our one is genuine though, 0818969696. Now the city development plan went through the city council last night, and it's the first one I think since the amalgamation, or the extension rather, of the border into the county. Um, it's the first one after the border extension. Am I right, Councillor John Maher? Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. It was the um, it was the first of of the extended council. So it was um, you know I suppose with the with the extension of the boundary, there was a lot of you know there's a lot of land there. There was a lot of opportunities there, um, and uh, it was over I suppose the process over the last two and a half years, um, kind of. Uh, Came to a came to a head last night, and the the development plan was voted on. Without wanting to sound like a complete beginner at this game, John, just outline for me and the listeners what is a development plan. What does it lay out? Well, you're asking another beginner, PJ, because as a, as a newly elected councillor since 2019, the whole process uh, was was new to me as well. You know, and it's probably very daunting at some some stages and overwhelming um, and, re- and rewarding as well. But I suppose the City Development Plan is where councillors um, work with the executive um, and with the public, and we identify where we see the city growing in the next five years. So this development plan will go to, um, to 2028. Um, and as a city, we have an ambition to grow. Um, we want to promote the 15-minute city um, we want to we want to build houses, you know, and we want to have the right zone. What, 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 what's that fifteen minute city? What's I've heard that expression used. What is it, John? Yeah, um, PJ. I suppose the whole idea about the fifteen minute city is that you can work, you can be educated, you can socialise, you can shop, you can volunteer, you can use public transport, and um, within a fifteen minute uh, kind of surrounding. You know what I mean? So. So the one they're they're modelling they're modelling at the moment we'd say with, with one that we have live would be Saint Luke's would be one you know that you around the Saint Luke's area you've got public transport you've got education you've got work and you've got you've got shops and and you've got bars and restaurants and that's the whole idea you know that we're not travelling we'd say you don't travel from I'm going to say from Ballavalan out to Douglas to go for something to eat you know that yeah. you can do it within your own area but. Um, but last night, as I said, it was about it was about zoning land across the city um, for sustainable development, um, and that we build the city going forward. And so, yeah, it was a two and a half year process. Um, there was lots of people with different views, as you can imagine. Um, and I suppose everybody would have thought that their land should be zoned a certain way. And then, as councillors, we had to make a decision 
Um, we obviously are guided by guided by um, by the planning regulator, guided by the city executive, guided by planners inside city hall, um, and guided by what you feel as well from being a local in the area, yeah. um, and how you feel it would uh, how you feel it would work for for each community. Now, every councillor wants to look after their own patch, as well as, of course, of having the, the, the better interests of the whole city at heart. But everyone looks after their own patch. In your own patch there up on the north side, John, how did it go for you? Um, <laughs> it was bittersweet, PJ. It was bittersweet. I suppose, you know, the, the exciting thing um, about, about the north side in particular is that in the new city development plan, you would have seen in last night's meeting and over the last two years, is that you know what I you, the, the biggest opportunities for 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 development in the city are in the northwest and in particular the northeast, which is is my own is my own area. Um, but uh, last night frustrated that there was uh, two amendments in particular. There was one um, in in the Balavalan um, Balavalan neighbourhood district that the councillors decided that we would um, we would rezone a green space part of the Glen River Valley. Um, and okay. they would reason that for a neighbour district, and there was potential talks of a car park. See, the problem is, PJ, is that last night is that all you're doing is that you're you're changing the zoning. It's right. not a planning decision. So what you're left with then is you're left with, you know, you're left with, I suppose, people saying it could be this or it could be that. Okay. But, so so but this I, is what we do with the plan. We decide the areas that we can do things to and what things we can do to them over the next six years. We're not actually uh, doing anything yet. No, 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 we're not. But, but what, I, what I suppose where, where my frustrations came last night is that what we did do last night is that we decided that we are getting rid of a green space. And yeah. I have an issue with that. I have an issue yeah. with that in particular because I hear, I hear the same councillors going on about the north side is nothing. Um, we, we don't have the infrastructure and... The, the Glen River Valley is, if you want, to, if you if you look at the bigger term picture, and I think that's what we should be doing, is that we we have potential to link Landmire to Tinker's Cross down to yeah. into Ballavalan and onto the Glen River, and I just felt last night that that in particular was um, was something that you know oh. what we said last night. We said no, we're going to build on it. That's what we said. There will be something on that, and I think yeah. that was a bad no, decision. No, I think that was something that was wrong. Listening to you there, I know there's there's work to be done down there, but to, and this is just a personal view. That valley should be exploited for the wonderful amenity that it is and not turned into a housing estate. I've been trying to agree with you there. It is, and PJ, you know, people have said to me, and they're not my words, you know, people said to me, it's that it's the lungs of the northeast ward, you know, and yes, and I'll be the first to admit, it has been neglected. But I think now, and I've been saying this since elected in 2019, is that, you know, it's great to see the Tremor Valley Park, the Marina Park, the Ballancollig Regional Park, but it's no time that the North Side gets its fair share, and the that's Glen, all. The Glen Park. Like. And I think the that Glen the Glen River Park, Park and, and the Valley, and the Valley, because I think when you talk about the Glen River Park, people might just get brought into the actual park. But what we're talking about here is that extending it right up the valley. So you do come okay. up the Northwood Road, you band off on one side, you have it on the other, and then okay. you're up into Tinker's Cross and down band off into Glamoyer. And we have, we have potential there. But as I said, there, and, in, and PJ, just, to, just to another issue, in Montanati then we also agreed that uh, protected landscape zones could be, could be built on as well. And it's just frustrating, you know. We're in a, okay. a, a biodiversity, we're, we're in a crisis. 
And to be quite honest with you, we hear councillors say things, but I think they're not matched with their actions. Um, okay. But look, I suppose that's, that's, that's where we're at and we need to push on with it. But I know that uh, myself and other councillors will be fighting to, uh, to keep okay. the, the Glen River Valley um, protected. Right, John, it's something we'll come back to, I have no doubt. It's an interesting outcome from last night's um, City Development Plan meeting at Cork City Council. That's Labour Party Councillor John Maher for the North East Ward. Just a thought on that. I wonder what... I... Now, what I'm understanding from John and what John is understanding from what happened last night is that the Glen River Park and the Glen Valley Park are beautiful green glen that you would think would be a natural amenity what this new and look maybe I'm picking John up wrong this new county development plan or city development plan rather allows for it to be built on if someone wants to build on it your thoughts, please, to 0818 96 96 96. Now, the uh, deputy leader of uh, Sinn Féin and, of course, their leader in the north and the first minister-elect in the north and Fermoy woman, uh, Michelle O'Neill, was in Fermoy uh, last night for a public meeting. And in the course of that uh, day, had that visit to her hometown. There's a nice piece, actually, in one of the papers about it. This morning, she met with local TD Pat Buckley. Um, and Pat, of course, is one of the public representatives who has been driving the Onakura story since it started. Would you believe we're almost coming up to the anniversary of the first sounds breaking to us here at the Opinion Line of the Onakura story? They would have been in, I guess, mid-July of 2021. We first heard... Um, we first heard of the Onakura story. I think Michelle may be meeting the activists today. Pat can join me and bring us up to speed. Pat Buckley, good morning. Good morning, PJ, and thanks for having me on. Delighted. So what is the story? She, is she still around? Is she going to meet the activists today or what? As we're speaking now, she's actually in my office meeting with um, family members and one okay. or two residents of the centre as well. Okay. Uh, Would you be able to get out of the wind, Pat, if that was possible for me, please? If I can try, I will, of course, will, of course. I'll Good man. The office. No bother. So, I mean, look, we first heard about Onakura. Um, it's almost a year ago now. Uh, the original closure date came and went, and the uncertainty levels just have been terrible for the people since. And still, people don't know exactly where they're going. So what are you hoping that this meeting will achieve, Pat? Well, do you know what? With Michelle's background in health above, it's about listening to the families and seeing what's going on. But the more important thing here is, like, I mean, unfortunately, we did ask, you know, to make a brief visit to the centre, but we weren't facilitated with that. So that's why we, we got the members and the family members to come to the office this morning. Uh, our biggest fear here is that, you know, we're, we're being thrown out sound bites of they're going to do A, B and C, but nothing concrete. And our biggest fear is, and I've been black and blue from Santa PJ, there was 22 beds there originally, 20 long-term, two short-term. There's no mention of replacing those or the associated services with it. We've had rumours left, right and centre, there's going to be a three-bed here and a four-bed there. They still don't know what they're going to centre, but the most important thing here is it's the families and the residents are the ones that are suffering. The model of consistency in that centre, PJ, is absolutely amazing. It should be replicated around the country. Yes. And it's going against the, 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 their own health policy 
It's also going against the recommendations of the Slanchy Care Report, where it should be community-integrated and community-led. And we've consistently had uh, Nessa Horrigan from the Green Party, who happens to be an architect, having visited, said there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't refurbish it. Uh, with with people still living there. All this news, of course, we're speaking today, Pat, when a major study is showing that four people out of ten here in the Republic have some kind of mental health conditioning. And and, and they want to close this wonderful facility. Absolutely. We hit the nail on the head, PJ. I mean, look, we've we've come out of, thankfully or hopefully, coming out of COVID now. But the knock-on effect of that, even social anxiety for people, the stress of it, and there's a couple of, you know, well, there's more than a couple of factors in this. But it's now we should be investing in our mental health services and our older elderly care because, look, it's been noted many times that we have a larger ageing population. And, of course, the knock-on effect of that, that those services will have to be improved and expanded. And yet we still have a HSE going against their own policy and actually reducing the services in the area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we now have the minister, Mary Butler, who said back in May that she, she more or less wiped her hands of it, didn't she? Well, to be honest, PJ, I've approached her on numerous occasions and to nearly go past the two fingers, all the, all the fingers on my hands now. And I, I am finding it extremely difficult. I have pleaded with her to come down and have a look at it herself on more than two occasions. But unfortunately, we've just been stormwalled. Are you issuing that call again today, Pat? Oh, absolutely. And I have a number of parliamentary questions in again um, for this. I have been asking, I've been in talks with um, Stephen Donnelly. I've appealed to him all. Come down and look at the human impact of this. And that's when you see it's not PPS numbers, it's human beings. Okay, we'll leave it there for no reason other than time, Pat. But as you know, when this first landed on our desk, and it's coming up to a year ago now, we swore that whatever the end would be, we would stay with it to the bitter end. And we'll continue to do that. Thank you very much, Pat Buckley, uh, Sinn Féin TD for Cork East. The only Cora story goes on uh, and on and on. And it's so hard on those lovely, lovely people. My God, they're beautiful people. I had the privilege of meeting them and sitting in the garden with them last September and just chatting to them about their life in their home and that will stay with me for a very long time we vowed we'd stay with this till the bitter end whatever that end may be and stay with it we will 0818 96 96 96 Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Flying you through your afternoons in Cork with all the best tunes, latest news, trending stories, and it really is a summer of concerts on Leeside. I've got the tickets for you. Did you enjoy the gig? Oh my God, outstanding. I would go to another one tonight if I could afford to. You sound a little bit hoarse there. Uh. A little bit, yeah. I kind of did try and sing a few songs and I'm very good. In the Hall of Fame! <laughs> <laughs> Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Ford Gosh Energy, a summer boiler service keeps you warm in the winter. So get a great deal with FordGoshEnergy.ie on Corks 96 FM. The lines are live and we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 0818-96-96-96-083-396-96-96. want to talk for a while about the subject of psoriasis because, God help so many people, I know it bothers them at some level or other. It can happen in a small way where you just have a few patches of it in your elbows, your knees or wherever it happens, and it can plague you throughout your life. And it can start when you're a child. It can start later in life. It reacts to some things well and some things not very well. I'm lucky that I've never had it, although it does run in in my family. My mom has suffered from it and some of my cousins have it. I talk, of course, as I said, of psoriasis and let's discuss it for a little while with consultant dermatologist Celine Daly. Good morning, Celine. Morning. Well, first of all, I'm not a consultant. I'm a dermatology nurse specialist. So I'm not a doctor, but I'm a nurse specialist working in the field of dermatology. You'll do, you'll do for us. You have the expertise, which I we do. don't. <laughs> Celine, thank you very much. What, okay. what is, like I said, I mean, I, I know so many people who have had psoriasis of different levels at different times in their lives. What's the cause of it? So first of all, we don't know the exact cause. We do know that it tends to run in families. So if you have psoriasis, as you just said there yourself, your mum had psoriasis and some of your cousins, so it tends to run run in families. It's a common enough skin disease. We think it affects about 80,000 people in Ireland. So in real terms, you could fill Crow Park with everyone who has psoriasis and there'd be a queue going down Jones Road. So a lot of people have psoriasis. Many don't present to us in hospitals or even to their GP because it can be mild. They can have a small amount of flakes, their elbows and knees a little bit of a scaly scalp. But then people can have moderate to severe psoriasis where their entire body can be covered in red, scaly skin. Their joints can be affected. Um, it can affect their mental health. As you said, it can be very hard to live with. Um, so we don't know the exact cause. We think it's genetic, but we do know there are triggers as well. So some mm. of these triggers can include alcohol, certain medications like non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, stress certainly triggers psoriasis as well. So there are a number of triggers that for psoriasis. But again, and we don't exactly know why some people get it and some people don't. What is it? Is it an autoimmune thing? Is it the skin over-generating mm-hmm. itself? What is it? Mm-hmm. Basically, it's your skin making more skin. So um, say if I, for example, burnt myself with a kettle this morning, my skin would kick into action, my immune system would kick into action and just make more skin and regeneration, heal my skin. But in, for some reason, people have psoriasis are making more skin when they don't need to. So um, mm-hmm. say if we don't have psoriasis, you and I, we get new skin every about six weeks, but people with psoriasis get new skin every sometimes every three to four days. So that's a, a zooped up process effectively. But these right. new are more, too much skin skin cells don't look like normal skin cells because they haven't had the chance to mature within the skin. They're pushed up rapidly to the top of the skin, from the bottom near the skin, and they look white and scaly. The skin also looks red because there's an immune system response going on here. Um, So it's red, it's scaly. Now, some people get something called gouchette psoriasis, which is like small little red dots all over their skin. That tends to be the first presentation of psoriasis or can happen after a sore throat, for example. Not many children have psoriasis. Children can get psoriasis, but it tends to come in the late teens and tends to start with something like an exam stress or a sore throat. They get this flare of this gouchette or little drops of psoriasis all over their body and then it tends to progress into this plaque psoriasis which you're more familiar with on your elbows, on your knees, um, all over your trunk and limbs and can affect your scalp and your nails as well. About 30% of people with psoriasis will develop something called psoriatic arthropathy or the arthritis associated with psoriasis. Um, That can be significant. 
really significant. So that can affect your joints permanently. Now, thankfully, thankfully, um, progress has been made with scientific developments in psoriasis. And we do have medications that we can give to treat psoriasis, but also to treat the joints as well. So to treat both together. It's important that you can only get this from a consultant working in a hospital, though. Your GP can prescribe this for you. So it's so important if you're out there, you listen to this, you have psoriasis and you find you've got pain in your heel, you have sore joints or stiff joints in the morning time, or you have swelling of your fingers or toes, that you go to your GP with a view to being referred to a consultant rheumatologist or a consultant dermatologist who can treat okay. your skin effectively with these medications. Don't sit out there with the sore joints thinking it's going to go away. It's not going to. It's going to get yeah, worse. And yeah, again, the scarring can be permanent, so it's important to be treated. I know a number of people with that particular condition. There are a lot of treatments out mm-hmm. there and they're being developed all the mm-hmm. time, but most of them require a visit to the doctor, don't they? A visit to your doctor and subsequently then a visit to a hospital-based consultant dermatologist. And all the Cork people are very lucky because they have a fantastic um, dermatology team in Cork who are absolutely wonderful um, and very cutting edge when it comes to dermatology. Um, now, there are waiting lists, but as I say, get on that waiting list because you'll never be seen if you're not on it. Um, so go to your GP with a view to be seen by a consultant dermatologist. We have great treatments like phototherapy light treatment, which we do across centres across Ireland and in Cork as well, where they shine some light on your skin three times a week for about six to eight weeks to get rid of the psoriasis temporarily. It's a great treatment. People like it. Um, then if that doesn't work, we do have medications or an injectable medication that you can take for psoriasis. But again, these have to be under the care of a consultant dermatologist. So he's the yeah. only one that can, pres- her, he or she is the only one that can prescribe that for you. And again, once yeah. you come into a clinic like ours, like we run here in Zygo, for example, you are under the care of the nurses as well. And we tend to do a holistic um, assessment of the patient. So we look at lifestyle factors as well. So again, we yeah. said about the triggers. Alcohol can trigger psoriasis. Smoking doesn't trigger psoriasis per se, but actually can worsen a particular type of psoriasis called hand and foot psoriasis. And again, right. smoking isn't good for you anyway. Um, mm. Also, people with psoriasis tend to have more heart disease and develop more diabetes. In fact, between 30 and 50% of people with psoriasis can develop diabetes or heart disease. So it's very Crikey. important to exercise regularly and to eat a healthy diet. Now, the next question will be, what should I eat? Or is there anything that, that makes mixed rice is worse than food no there's not just eat a okay. healthy diet so think okay. about you know your fruit and your veg think about your portion sizes and trying to cut down the alcohol and the processed food and that's for everybody okay. across the board but particularly if we're talking about moderate severe psoriasis it's very important to try and be as healthy as you can because you do have this increased risk of developing heart disease there's a kind of a, a stress vicious circle isn't there celine in that mm. uh, stress can cause psoriasis and if you get a bad outbreak that in itself is stressful which leads to a vicious circle yeah and you see your skin you're flaring people well-meaning but people can be so not not trying to be horrible about their people's skin but they'll say unsupportive things like what's that on your skin is it contagious no it's not contagious some of my patients have been asked to leave swimming pools or changing rooms they've been fired from their jobs because they have nail psoriasis and you know they might work in the hospitality industry so people face who have psoriasis face an awful lot of issues from kind of misinformation about skin disease it's out there and we do have resources that everybody can can use when it comes to skin disease Irish Skin Foundation have a fantastic website called irishskin.ie 
there's also a great podcast at the moment called Let's Talk Psoriasis. It's free yes. to download anywhere you get um, podcasts that's on Spotify and across the board. And there's just some fantastic um, uh, episodes on that. I'm I'm talking at one of them, but I've listened to them all and they're just wonderful. Consult dermatologists, patients have psoriasis, and um, people have psoriatic arthropathy talking on that. Some really good suggestions. Dr. Kira Kelly actually hosts it and it's just that's brilliant. Right. Yeah. There's loads of okay. resources there to tap into for free that you can learn more about psoriasis. Really important. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a friend years ago who claimed that in the summertime he kept his psoriasis now it wasn't severe but he kept his mm. psoriasis under control with sea swimming and being mm. careful with the sun is that a thing mm. can the sea affect it can it the is, sun affect it certainly is. The sun, some small cases can make it worse, but in a lot of cases can make it better. Now, we have a big problem with skin cancer in this country because you get yes. too much sun. I know it's not very sunny today, but we have a, we have a moderate UV um, light in the summertime in Ireland. It comes to the clouds. Even in a cloudy day, you can get burned or sunburned, and that causes skin cancer. So we have to be sun smart, meaning high factor 50 hat, sunglasses stay in the shade between 11 and 2, and not using sunbeds to treat your psoriasis. They're really important. So that uh, treatment I was talking about earlier, the phototherapy light treatment, is really good for psoriasis and that's actually basically fake sunlight that we shine on the skin to temporarily get rid of the psoriasis so the mm. sea wouldn't have anything to do with it effectively it's just that oh. you're, you're actually just wearing swimming shorts and you're out and the uv light is shining on your skin so it's actually not the yeah. sea water because people used to go to the dead sea years ago but it wasn't right. the dead sea it was that it was sunny yeah I, it was sunny I was actually at the dead sea with this particular friend of mine Celine mm. and, and yes. the man had yes. an awful dose at the time and he lay back into the dead sea he let a scream out of him that could be heard in Jerusalem when the salt <laughs> went into his wounds. Hit the skin, the swore, poor thing. Yes. He swore yes. that the following day he was much, much better. He was better because the UV light was shining in his skin. He you. was wearing a pair of swim shorts, I presume, not a full like wet gear. So yeah. it was actually the sunlight shining. A big warning here. Please do not burn your skin. If you burn yeah. your skin, you will develop skin cancers. So it's yeah. actually some ways better to present to the GP to be referred to a dermatology unit where you can have force therapy light treatment and we control yeah. that very carefully, the amount of light yeah. that you get and it has the same effect, it kind of melts the psoriasis away. Yeah, yeah I've seen one of mm. those machines actually, they're very advanced machines. Celine, thank yes, you very I'm much. Very I, I get the best, the best advice is if you should develop it or if your existing psoriasis should get worse, then mm -hmm. contact your GP immediately. Uh, immediately and log on to irishskin.ie free nurse helpline we can talk to a nurse like me and you can talk through well where's my next centre where can I be referred to you know right. what happens next really fantastic free service and remember that that's let's talk psoriasis.ie any or let's talk psoriasis on Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts okay Celine Daly a dermatology skin specialist thank you very much oh yeah one question on, on food Celine before I let you go uh, should we avoid acidy foods no, eat what you want because it doesn't affect your skin. And sometimes if you restrict your diet, that's going to make you more miserable, more stressed and your skin will get worse. So remember, you know, healthy grains um, eating a good diet, having your sleep and trying not to drink alcohol if you can. And that's the best thing you can do to treat your skin when you have psoriasis. All right, Celine. Thank you very much, Celine Daly. And I've no doubt we will talk again. Thank you very much. 0818 96 96 96. You mentioned that podcast uh, with Kira Kelly, which is on Spotify. And our own podcast of this interview will be on the website later in the afternoon. 0833 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Courts. 96 FM.
And a message to say I have psoriatic arthritis. I do be in agony and I'm on high tech medication. Yeah, and that's the medication, isn't it? Some of that medication you actually have to keep in the fridge and inject into yourself and all those things. Terry said, I thought most of what the ladies said was good, but I do think that food, especially the foods that take acidity, do aggravate psoriasis. Well, Terry, if you feel they harm you, then don't don't have them. Uh, and I guess we'd encourage the same for anyone once you don't harm your own nutrition. But Celine's advice was that uh, food makes no difference. That's her uh, advice as, as a nurse dealing with it. But as I say, each to their own, as the saying goes. 0818 96 96 96. And here's a survey. It says half of workers, 5 in 10, say they can't, they can leave their work at the front door. But a lot of other people are plagued by this idea that they'll be available to their boss outside of set working hours. Uh, there's a, I think the pandemic taught us an awful lot about work-life balance. And therefore, you, you learn to separate work time with life time. And I was just actually talking with the Queen Bee the other day about that. Like the work-life balance, we all met, learned a lot about it and to balance it better uh, during the during the pandemic, but a lot of people still struggle with being able to detach completely from work when they're supposed to be off. And a lot of employers expect you to be at the end of the phone or at the end of the email on a Saturday or after work or in the evening time. And it doesn't always work out. Joined by Caroline Reedy of HR Suite. Um, your rights, you do have a right to detach, or do we do we have it yet in this country, Caroline? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, you're spot on. We absolutely do. And people have what's called the right to disconnect. And it was, I suppose, brought in a fast track, I suppose, during COVID, because when people were working remotely at home, they found it harder to detach between when they finished work and getting back into their home life because it, you were still looking at the computer, you were still looking at the files and it was that whole piece of being available. And for some people, it means that they might put on a wash during the day and then they might jump back on and do an email at night. But for others, it was a feeling that there's an expectation for me to respond to emails all of the time. And legislatively now, the right to disconnect means that employees should, under the organisation at Working Time Act, be getting their 11-hour rest break. And this gives them more rights to be able to say, look, I'm turned off and ultimately I need to have that rest time. Emergencies mm. will always turn up and that's fair yeah. enough, but it shouldn't be the norm. If you would have finished your day's work in the office at five, you're entitled to shut down the laptop at five, even if it is up on the kitchen table. Absolutely. And I think, you know, sometimes it's the culture, isn't it, in an organisation that prohibits somebody feeling that they can do that rather than they might know that they have that legislative right. But for many, it could be a case that if you see your boss doing it, you feel obliged nearly to um, respond to that email or stay on later or whatever the case may be. But I think you're right. I love your reference to the Queen Bee. Um, but I love the fact that she's so right you know, the whole pandemic has really helped us appreciate the fact that we need time to recharge. And from a productivity and a well-being perspective, we all know that if you give people that rest, 
then they're going to be more productive the next day and they're going to be more motivated and happier to get stuck back in the same as people are when they get their holidays over the summer and you know even though you know they come back and they've got that rejuvenated um you know attitude to get stuck back in so it's so important that we respect that right to disconnect and give people those breaks some some people are very fearful that if they don't respond immediately to their boss's email at 20 past 5 that they end up in trouble whereas they have every right to say look I'll get that in the morning or even pop off a quick email and say look John or Mary or Tom look I'm done now I answer this first thing yeah and I, I think we have to differentiate between normal and the odd emergency so like yes. for example if there is like um you know a really urgent uh, emergency and it happens once in a blue moon i think no one will mind going dealing with that once it's within their ability to give that extra time to deal with the issue right now i think the real issue with this is when it becomes the norm for people and then they start to resent the fact that work is eating into their personal life and their personal time And that's not fair on the employee. And especially in a full labour market, we're going to end up losing good people who won't put up with us. They're going to go to another job which respects their time and their work-life balance better. This survey I was referring to was from taxback.com. It was an all-Ireland employee survey. They also said that a lot of people are now, a quarter of people, were going in early or staying late to accommodate the demands of the job. That really... That, in my view, Caroline, that sends a message to your employer. No matter how much you want to pile on top of me, I'll always stay around to do it. And that's the wrong message. It is. And for some people, their productivity style is, you know, they like to be ahead and they like to be organized in the morning. And they like that half an hour where they want to get the cup of tea and they want to look at the emails and it makes them feel more organized for the day ahead. I think this is where the issue is, where there's the pressure feeling of, well, you know, I, I'm finished at half five. I want to go away and do whatever I've planned for the evening. But there's that expectation and pressure. And also when you get the email that there's the pressure to for it to get a response, you know, straight away. Um, hmm. And that's where ultimately employers are in breach of the legislation. And more importantly, the morale and culture you're setting is not one that people are going to want to stay with. And I think rethinking how we respect employees' time and also how we manage productivity is really necessary. Because in your example there, PJ, it sounds like people are understaffed. And again, you know, we're in holiday season now, so you might be missing a, you know, a colleague or two, but everybody knows, okay, well, look, I'm going to get the holidays I want too. So we don't mind everybody's shoulder to the wheel to cover the yeah. holidays. Yeah, it's, but it's again, that time I of year. Exactly, exactly. But I think, again, it's when it's consistent, isn't it, that it really becomes an issue. Lastly, we'll address it, if we could, from the same question from the, from the, the two sides, employee and employer. If, as an employee, you feel that your employer is putting upon you unnecessarily, shall we say, what do you do? I think the first thing is do your best to have a conversation. That's easier said than done a lot of the times because... You know, like ultimately sometimes, you know, psychic communication doesn't work in any part of life. And in this relationship, it's no different where we presume the person doesn't mind doing it and we've never said anything and they've never said anything. So we all think it's all fine. Whereas I think having a quiet word to say, look, 
I, you know, I feel that, you know, there's an expectation that I need to respond to the emails in the evenings. It's causing me stress and it's causing me bother. And, you know, I'm under pressure to get it done. Look, is it okay that unless it's an emergency, I come back to you in the morning? And a reasonable employer will very much take that on board. The employee shouldn't be first put in that position, though. The employer has an obligation to make sure that they don't put that person in the position. But if they do, I definitely think have that first quiet word and hope that nips the issue in the bolt. And for the employer, um, particularly if your employee is working from home or working hybridly, what, what advice would you give? You know that the laptop is up on Tom's table and he's very near to it. That doesn't give you a right to land extra work on him at five to five, does it? Definitely not. And I think, again, the same obligations apply whether you're in the office or whether the person's at home. And I think it's important to, you know, have the conversations. Everybody is entitled to get a contract and a staff handbook and those policies. But at the end of the day, good old fashioned communication is key. And like as an employer, if we know Tom is logging back in and he doesn't need to be. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We need to be saying to Tom, Tom, you need to take your break. You need to have your evening off. So you're going to be more you know, alert and you're able to focus tomorrow because without doubt, I think we're all better after that recharge. And that's yeah. why I think everybody's looking forward to their summer break if they haven't had it yeah. already so much this year. It's, it's, a, it's a two-way street. Caroline, thank you. Caroline Reedy from the HR Suite. 0818 96 96 96. Yeah, Ursula was on. I was in Bulgaria recently. I bathed in the Black Sea mud. Their properties are known in Eastern Europe for skin allergies. Within 24 hours, the psoriasis was gone from all over my body. I repeated the bathing a week later. I now have no trace of any psoriasis. Also, the sun and swimming in salty seawater was an added bonus. Black Sea mud, I think, is available online or from, from some Irish beauty salons. And I'm a new person 
without this disturbing skin rash which used to interrupt my sleep. I've heard that before about black sea mud and as I said, I outlined my friend's experience when we went to the, the Dead Sea um, which, by the way, if you ever get an opportunity to visit it, is one of the strangest places on the planet. You can, like they say in the photographs, like you see, you can actually balance a tea tray and a pot of tea on top of it. It's an, a bizarre. But I remember your man, and he had a t- terrible problem with with psoriasis, and he lay back into the water and he let a roar out of him from the salt. Now he swore the following day that his psoriasis had eased. But as Celine said, no, actually, it was more likely to be from the sun. But like we said, each to their own. 0818-969696. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. C6 Steve returns to Cork for the first time in a decade with a show at Cypress Avenue on July 19th. Tickets are on sale now from the Old Oak and from cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. Belinda Carlisle also returns to Ireland to mark 35 years as a solo artist with Lisa Loeb added as very special guest for a show which takes place at Cork Opera House on July 15th. Tickets are available from the box office or from corkoperahouse.ie. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. With Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. On Cork's 96FM. You know what? I forgot completely to get back to the story that we had from Charleville Show. Do you remember I read you that message earlier on this morning from Charleville Show where Brian uh, was delighted to see it back uh, first time in three years and all of that but it's 20 euro ahead to get in which means for his family alone it's a hundred quid and then of course there's money you spend on stuff inside you're going to make it a very expensive day out and he thought it was absolutely ridiculous and very unfair in these troubled times as it were i promised you i'd bring you charleville show's response um sorry for holding out so long with that but bernie was on to us bernie carroll from the charleville show committee uh, who said we got amazing comments from people who attended the show and were so happy to see it back uh, admission is free to all shows um, it, it, admission fee, sorry, to all shows this year is €20 Euro for adults. It's only one or two people who complained, but you can't please everyone. It's fantastic value, so much to see, and it's open for nine hours, the same price as Cork Show. And Bernie from Charleville Show said, anyone complaining about paying €80 Euro for adult and child for Ed Sheeran or for two hours or a hurley match for an hour and a half? Ooh, ooh. That's quite a comeback from Charleville Show. Uh, but thank you. Thank you, Bernie. Thank you for that. 0818 96 says, look, our show is 20 euro in. It's open all day. It's open for nine hours. Ed Sheeran is two hours. And what do they pay? And a uh, gam matches, whatever. And uh, thank you for that. Bernie. Right, let's go to Carmel Harrington. Uh, she's a stepmother herself and uh, the author of a book, A Mother's Heart, uh, which, Carol, you say, is written to try to challenge the stereotype. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Nice to be here. And nice to have you. A stepmother is literally just a second mother after maybe first mom has died, yeah? Yeah, well, it's many, I mean, in many different ways, a stepmother 
can sometimes be the sole mother, can also be what, what I like to call like a bonus mother. Because in modern Ireland now, in the world, their blended families are just part of our modern day living. You know, divorces right. in Ireland now, people get remarried. They're on second marriages. Of course, there are bereavements too. Somebody dies and, and, a, and a widow or widower gets remarried again. So there's lots of ways that right. a stepmother comes into a family. And, um, and for me, when I started thinking about what I wanted to write about, and I tend to write about family dynamics within all my stories. And I decided to look at that complex dynamic of a blended family because when you have a blended family you have multiple sets of grandparents you've multiple in addition to the multiple parents you can have you know there are a lot more different um strings to the family when when you have blended families together and i thought it would be a fun thing to actually explore that and actually tease it a little bit and look at the hierarchies within a family when you have several sets of grandparents like who's the most important grandparent is it the step grandparents is it the birth grandparents do you know what I mean so so I started to kind of tease that apart as well um but at the heart of a mother's heart there is a stepmother she's um she's widowed and she's the sole parent in in the case of this story she's the sole parent of two small children and she's the only mother that they've known so their birth mother died when they were very young so they've only known her as their mother and the story is centered around the fact that Rachel, who is from New Zealand originally, begins to wonder, should she move back to New Zealand with the children to start afresh, now that she's a widow, to be close to her own family? And then the children's um, p- uh, maternal grandparents, um, the parents of the, the dead mother, they step in then and begin to question her rights as a mother. And what is what makes a mother? Is it blood or is it... Um, love, and that's the yeah. kind of the question that's asked. Um, and I, and it was just, it was just nice to kind of tease that apart and to have a look at the complex relationships within blended families. And you know, there are a lot of questions there. I think that um, perhaps we all have to ask ourselves now, as this is the way forward, how we live our lives now. The idea, I think, came from watching. Uh, a movie on on Disney Plus where the whole stereotype of the the wicked stepmother was right there yeah. in front of you. But before you answer, it's not a, it's not a word I've ever liked. Actually, stepmother. Yeah, right. It's true. It's true. I never liked it either. We called. I'm a stepmother, and um, we called myself um, a bonus mother. Is how we used to call it because yeah. um, when I became a stepmother, she I met my stepdaughter when she was three. She was very very young. And I was lucky that she was so young, I think, because she just accepted me. She doesn't remember a time when I wasn't in her life, which is great. But she has a mother who she loves and who loves her. And she has an amazing mother. She, you know, she has this great relationship with her mother. So I never wanted to, to be her mother. However, when she's with me, she does need me as a maternal influence. You know what I mean? And especially when she was younger. Um, she would be with my husband and I, and she definitely needed maternal arms around her. And so I used to say, I'm your bonus mum. And the stepmother one just would make us pause, actually, because I'd read, she went through a Disney phase when she was like most little girls, when three, four and five, and I'd read her all of the Disney books. And in every story, PJ, the the baddie, the villain, is the wicked, evil stepmother. And it became a bit of a joke in our house because I would say to her, you know, I promise I'll only be a little bit wicked. And then I watched a movie there recently that they remade... um, they remade, actually, Cinderella. It's the same story. But they decided to turn it on its head, and this time they made 
it was a wicked stepfather. And I thought, oh, this is ridiculous now. You know, it's no wonder that children grow up with bias against um, step-parenting um, and they see them as evil because they're conditioned into that. Like from the very beginning, that's what they're kind of told. Um, so I kind of did, when I wrote this story, I wanted to shine a spotlight on step-parents because in my experience, when you are a step-parent, you choose to love a child. And, and I know lo- I like there's so many in my circle, you know, there are so many step-parents and they really are doing their best to do what's right for that child. And yeah. I think it, I just wanted to kind of shine a spotlight on that, that we're not, that, you know, step-parents are not bad, they're good in the name. There's exceptions always. The word um, step-parent, I think it probably lured me into the, if you like, the, the stereotype of someone that daddy marries after mammy dies. I've forgotten, of course, as you correctly pointed out to me, there's so many different ways in which a person becomes a step a, a, a step parent. See, this is it. You know, there are many, many ways. And, and, and actually, to be honest with you, the people that are in my, um, in my circle, um, it would be through second marriages as opposed to um, through, through actually a bereavement. And thank goodness, you know. And so really, that, the word bonus is probably a better one, really. But, but, it, but it's always been the way. I mean, even as a child, I had a step-grandparent. You know what I mean? They were, um, yeah. it was a hugely positive part of my life. I absolutely adored. And we never, I didn't even know he was a step-grandparent, actually, which is interesting. As far as I knew, he was just my grandparent. And it was only when I was a lot older, I mean, a late teen, that I even realized that he, cause, because as far as we were concerned, he was just somebody who loved us unconditionally and we loved unconditionally. Yeah. That was it, full stop. And that's kind of the way it should be, really, isn't it? You know, when it's family, it should be about love, not about blood and yeah. DNA. It should be about should, people that, that you love. What, what people sometimes get a little bit uh, angsty about is, now you, you mentioned yourself that you, your stepdaughter, that she yeah. is close to her birth mum, so, does she, and I don't know if this is too personal a question, but does she call you mum or call you Carmel? Oh, she actually came up with a wonderful thing, actually, when she was, no, she was, she has her, she has her mother who she lives with, and she, you know, she absolutely has an amazing relationship with her mother, and, um, and that's always been the case from day one, like, her mother is her mother, um, but, but yes, when she was younger with me, um, you know, I, I did play a role, like, I mean, you know, she's, She's grown up now, so it's different. But when she was younger yeah. in particular, she definitely needed that maternal kind of love for me. And she came up with this herself. Um, she decided um, to call me Cammy because my name is Carmel, and she put the yeah. C for Mammy, and she called me Cammy. And she that was her choice. She made it when she was four, so that's what I was. I was Cammy for I years. And, so, and it was, it was yeah, do you know what, PJ? It was lovely because we'd be out and about, and when she called me Cammy, people thought she was saying Mammy. So she felt it was just a, it was a nice way of doing it, and always at all, all times, I wanted to have respect for her mother. Like, you know, like her mother, um, I was never trying to take her mother's place. But at the same time, I have to say, like, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm in a happy marriage and the children have myself yeah. and my husband. We have this lovely life together. But if for some reason I wasn't there, I'd love to think that someone would step in and give the children the love while I wasn't yes. there. Do you know what I mean? I understand and where I you're think, coming from. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what we need to do is, unfortunately, like as I said, like, do you know what? We were watching, um, I don't know if you ever saw Santa Claus, the movie. Um, we were watching it again at Christmas with the kids. But of course, the, the idiot in that movie is the bumbling stepfather. The baddie is the step. I thought, here we go again. And it really is, when you think about it, 
it, you, it's it's an easy way out to make the baddie the step parent. You know what I mean? And I think it, it's a pity, really, because um, then, of course, we all then automatically have that association. So there's a bias there before we even start. Interesting. Listen, the new book is called A Mother's Heart. It aims to resettle that bias or redress that bias. And thank you for being with me on the opinion line. Carmel Harrington, thank you. 0818 96 96 96. I'd love to hear from step parents or people who've had step parents as to, you know, how has it been for you? Because I guess it can be difficult if if parents divorce or one parent should pass away or whatever. Um, and then the other parent marries again. And that can be difficult for children, and you have to try to build that relationship, build it very carefully. So I'd love to hear. 0818 96 96 96. Just coming back on Charleville show. I was just going to go to the show, and I cancelled it now because it was going to cost us 60 quid just to get in. And that reply you read out was disrespectful. I wouldn't intend that Betty had any disrespect in mind. She was making the point in her reply, or Bernie rather, that, look, admission fee is €20 for the adults and only one or two people have complained. There's a lot to see and do and it's nine hours. And compare that to paying €80 for an adult and again for a child for Ed Sheeran for two hours or a hurling match for an hour and a half she was making the, the comparison but uh, thanks thanks for that 0818 96 96 96 would you like to choose the music that we play well you can do it and in the course of it you might just win a hundred euro voucher for pennies you could probably buy the shop but a hundred euro voucher for pennies just go on to the website <coughs> excuse me the website 96m.ie and vote for the fresh new music that we play and then you could be shopping for free it'll take you 10 minutes it's an online survey and the Cork's 96M music panel choose the tunes and you could win a 100 euro voucher go now and do it at 96FM dot IE we're talking yesterday to Colin Bourke just briefly on the programme about the idea that people would move out of big homes that they're rattling about and move to smaller ones and free up the bigger ones to ease up the, the housing market and we're just chatting about that and other things. Uh, this message is a response to that, I'm assuming. PJ, it was Colin Burke's party who caused the housing problem and now he wants the people who have their own homes to solve the problem for them. It's a point of view. 0818969696. Aideen Cooney is a coordinator of an art therapy summer school. Aideen, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Talk to me, first of all, about art therapy. We hear it a lot. What is it and what are the benefits of it? Yeah, so um, PJ, art therapy is a specialised form of psychotherapy and we use creative visual art mediums like clay and paint and textiles, drawing materials, natural found objects and even craft work um, has its place. So we use these mediums to facilitate our clients to explore their inner world and I suppose, PJ, the aim is to address whatever issues that maybe have prompted the person to attend therapy in the first place. So, you know, um, that could be anxiety or low mood or depression, uh, body image issues, loss, bereavement, 
addiction, any mental health um, issue, really, yeah. And does it circle around the idea that, well, people might not feel comfortable verbalising what's going on, but using art materials, they find another way to convey the message. Is that it? Yeah, I think that's a really good definition of art therapy. Yeah, that's exactly it, PJ. And often we would say, do you know, when words just can't quite get there, um, that it's it's another way of expressing what may be going on. And I think it's important to say, well, that our clients wouldn't necessarily have experience with art making. Um, do you know that it, it kind of crosses... Um, a range of ages as well that we yeah. work with very young clients. So we work with children, um, but we also uh, work right up to end of life. Um, so I, I kind of, in my own practice, I would say the youngest client I worked with was four. And then yeah. the old was, I think she was 102, if not 103. Good Lord. Wow. Yeah. So that's... So- why, like, the, tell me about the summer school. Who's it for? How can someone get involved? Yeah, so the summer school is run under the Department of Arts in Health and Education, which is part of the Crawford College of Art and Design under MTU. And we're now in our 30th year. And um, this is my first year coordinating the summer school. And um, my predecessor, Marian Adams, has very uh, kindly guided me through the process. Um, this year and really the summer school is for anyone I myself did the summer school back in 2009 um, and that kind of set me on a journey um, with my art therapy training um, and it's really just a space for people to explore the role of creativity in relation to therapeutic work um, so we have students we have students from you know art colleges coming in we have psychotherapists who do the summer school, teachers, nurses, anyone really you can think of, yeah. And and when is it on and where? So it's on in the main um, building in in Sharman Crawford Street and it begins uh, next Saturday, uh, the 2nd of July and it runs until the 6th of July. Um, So we are actually full at the moment, but I suppose... Anyone who's listening and uh, perhaps it might be planting a seed for, for next year's um, course. We run it every summer. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was just about to ask you were there any places left on this year's one, but, yeah, but, but not. Unfortunately, unfortunately not. Um, but yeah. Of course, to show it's just growing in, in popularity, art therapy as a concept, and indeed a lot of people want to get in there and, and try it out. Aideen, thank you very much. Aideen Cooney, coordinator of the Art Therapy Summer School. Unfortunately, full for this year, but try it for next year. Thank you, Aideen. 0818 96 96 96. He's the titan in the 10-gallon hat, the global country music giant that is the honorary Irishman, Mr. Garth Brooks. Morning, Garth. <laughs> How are you, sir? Hey, this interview's over. I enjoyed it. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, well, what is the plan? Do you think you're going to make it down to Cork? Uh, will you get a little helicopter spin down to, down to the south of the country, Garth? We do not do helicopter spin. Uh, we have the time to travel. When, when you say you're going to have time to travel, you won't need much time to travel.
Oliver because you know like Ireland is the size of one of your malls over there so you'll probably see it in about an hour <laughs> I can tell you this yeah. there won't be a second wasted Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool exclusively Skoda in the city find your next car online at noeldc.com open 24-7 96FM the lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we're just into Alan there in the, the news. And I was telling you, Alan O'Reilly from Cali Weather, I was telling you that of late now what I've done is started following obviously Alan's predictions who which and I've said this before and I'll say it again he's the best of them out there at the moment making weather predictions but I also combine those predictions with the ever reliable dark sky weather app um, it's the best couple of quid you'll spend on a weather app and it is telling me now that starting on Saturday there will be a considerable improvement in our weather. Saturday getting up to 18 degrees, chances of rain much diminished. Sunday again diminished even more, up to 20 degrees. Monday 21 degrees, Tuesday 22 degrees. So it looks like there's a smell of summer on the way at least and maybe our friend the Azores High can push its way up to us and bring us the summer uh, to which we had, would like to become far more accustomed. Yeah, let me get back to that art therapy, um, the, the summer school. Aideen wanted just to, to add, we ran out of time there before the news. They are hosting an exhibition. It's in collaboration with Sample Studios and it's on in the Lord Mayor's Pavilion in Fitzgerald's Park. Starts June 30th, which is Thursday and runs right through the month of July. There's a Ukrainian artist, Tatiana. She has brought 200 watercolours back from Ukraine and some of those will be shown at the exhibition so happy to mention that uh, for Aideen. Now menopause is a subject we've talked about on the programme many many times over the years and I, I think it's very very safe to say that menopause is something we talk about more openly now than we ever did and I think, at least I'd like to think, that programmes like this one um, are comfortable, a comfortable space for people to come and talk about the menopause. There's a professor in America, or I beg your pardon, in Australia, in the University of Melbourne. She's Professor Martha Hickey, um, Professor of Obstetrics and Gynaecology, however, and she's been pushing back a little at the way we're talking about it these days and she says that while most while some women experience troublesome symptoms during menopause that most women are fine and she said menopause is a natural process which is now being medicalized by the media and by the medical profession god you know what if the cat had kittens the media would get blamed for it uh, she really would. We really would get the blame for it. But let's let's put those points to Kate Muir, uh, who you may know. She's the author of Everything You Need to Know About the Menopause, and she was the producer of Davina McCall's Menopause Documentaries. What do you make about uh, Professor Hickey's pronunciations, Kate? Good morning. 
Good morning, and lovely to hear men talking about the menopause too, because it's such a shared experience for us all, isn't it? As you know, sons, Indeed. daughters, wives, husbands. Um, I was I was horrified to see that in the BMJ, uh, you know, serious medical journal, and she's saying we need to normalise the menopause. We don't need to talk to the medical aspects of it. And she cited a bunch of studies that were from the 1980s, and actually because. No one was that interested in the menopause till recently. No one did proper research into it. And when we were making the last Davina McCall programme, we did a giant poll, the biggest poll that's ever been done in the UK, of 4,000 women. And we asked them about their symptoms and what they felt. So this is from the women's point of view. And I'll just tell you what it said. It said, and we asked women between 45 and 55. So that's yeah. perimenopausal coming into menopause and then the ones whose periods have stopped. So we're, we're, we're covering that, that, that transition period. 84% said they weren't sleeping properly. 69% said they had anxiety and depression. 73% had memory problems and brain fog. 66% had sore and stiff joints. Never mind the 70% who got the hot flushes that we know about anyway. Yeah. Um, but it's those invisible symptoms that women have stayed silent about all this time. And we asked them and they answered. And I think that's what we're seeing is people, you know, particularly, you know, women who've had tough lives and raised children and multitask, they're going, well, I'll just cope with this too. And you think, well, do we need to cope with it? Or is there a better way? And do we need to suffer? Yeah. Uh, Professor Hickey was reflecting, I think, an older way of thinking when women, just like you said, got on with it because, A, they didn't feel comfortable speaking up about it. So they just, like many mm -hmm. other things in their lives, they just soaked it up. But secondly, there really wasn't anything you could do about it back then. You're right. There is. That is so the point. And that is what has changed in the last few years. Because when, even when I, I was going into sort of menopause myself a few years ago, I thought, well, I'm not touching that HRT stuff because I'll get cancer. That was my basic thought. And, yeah. you know, th then I, once, once I'd actually, I had a lot of brain fog and memory problems, and the minute I took HRT, they went away. And that was mm. really important. And then I, I started researching into it and thinking, why didn't I know anything about this? And then I discovered there are two kinds of HRT. There's the old stuff that was synthetic and sometimes made from horse urines and synthetic progestins. Yuck. And there's the new stuff, which is a body identical copy of your own hormone looks exactly the same kind of under a microscope and it's made from extracted from yams it's a plant-based hormone so you're replacing your hormone with your hormone in you know a mm. gel or a patch or whatever it is and that is incredibly safe and the best news that's come out in fact since we've made the program i'm pleased to be able to announce it on your program too is yeah. there was a huge study of half a million women in the uk data bank because we keep all their prescription records and they went through and looked at the ones that had breast cancer and the ones that didn't in this half million group. And the ones who were on the new HRT, the body identical plant-based HRT, which you can get on the NHS in Britain and in Ireland, um, did not have an increased risk of breast cancer. So that's yeah, I think that, that myth has been busted, I think, to be fair. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah. that, that's also a really big number. It's not just a wee tiny study. And so I think we can say to women, there is good stuff out there. 
if you don't want to suffer, you don't need to suffer. And also it's going to protect your long-term health because it prevents osteoporosis. It helps yeah. your bro- your bones grow back. And, you know, one in two women have got osteoporosis and are falling over and breaking their hips. Yeah. You know, and we, we, why do we have to suffer that, you know? We spoke on the programme here in recent months, Kate, about the availability or lack thereof of some of the key medications. There is a shortage at the moment. Yeah, it's a nightmare. And what's happened is that uh, we discovered that since we made the programme, uh, prescriptions certainly in the UK have gone up by 42%, which is unprecedented in almost any any area. And people obviously want the good safe stuff and they're changing over to the safer stuff. Um, and the manufacturing literally can't keep up. And I know the people who make the gel have now uh, bought a new factory and are, are, are opening it and, and putting it over to producing the gel. But the government didn't look ahead. And also, you can buy this in Europe. There are people going on their holidays to Spain and coming back with 10 packets over the counter. Right. So if the NHS and the, the governments are willing to pay a little bit more, uh, we could buy it on the European market. And help these women and obviously they won't be going back to their doctor 10 times with sore joints or depression because Mm. they'll have got and you know hrt relatively cheap medicine it's not you know Mm -hmm. it's about you know eight eight pounds a month or something but compared to someone falling apart you know it it shouldn't have to be anything like as expensive or hard to get as it as it is another group of of women uh are young women who for any reason for example, chronic endometriosis or something like that, yeah. have had hysterectomies at a very young age. I have a, I have a good friend who had a hysterectomy, full hysterectomy at 28 and Aww. went straight into menopause. And, and you know, there's lots of people out there and, and it's, a, it's a hard, hard time. It is absolutely, it's an absolute car crash, isn't it? And it is, it's not going through it gently, but losing all those hormones at once. It's like going cold turkey from heroin or something like that. You know, it's horrendous. And people think they're going mad and they feel suicidal. And it really, really is an incredibly difficult time. And the day women go in for their hysterectomy, they should be handed, you know, estrogen, progesterone, and particularly for young women, testosterone, which is the third hormone and the hormone women make most of. And at that age, they really need it. And they have much more than older women. And they don't get given that as a, as a normal package. And I remember being on a radio show in Ireland, actually, a, a big phone-in after uh, the first Davina McCall documentary. And woman after woman rang in and said, 20 years ago, I had a hysterectomy. I haven't been able to work since I've been at home. I've now realized what my missing hormones were doing to me. And you think there's a whole generation of women, you know, who were terrified of breast cancer and doctors who obviously not their fault, but they were... And, and there's that generation that have just been kind of wiped out and thrown aside and had really tough times and they yeah. didn't need to. And, and you yeah. know, we mustn't let that happen to the 28-year-olds like your friend coming through because it, it doesn't need to happen. You know, it's not rocket yeah. science either. Your hormones are missing. Have some back. You know, yeah. a 12-year-old uh, will tell you that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and a strong message as well, I think, and in total contrast to what... Uh, Professor Hickey from Melbourne was suggesting. Yeah, yeah, fine. And I take the point she makes that a lot of people are grand and it doesn't become a problem. But for those for whom it does become a problem, we should give it the attention it deserves, put everything they could possibly want at their disposal 
and treat it mm. just like any other thing we would treat. If you know any like any other kind of chronic condition that lasts for a couple of years or however long it lasts, yeah. we would treat it. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I have to say, and this, this might sound strange coming from a man, I thought Professor Hickey's res- remarks were ridiculously out of touch. Why would you just suck something up when you can sort it out? <laughs> I love that. We should get a sticker that says, why would we suck it up when we can sort it out? And, <laughs> and I also think it's so important and, and I, uh, to bring men into this conversation, to which we haven't enough so far and I'm going to do that in the next documentary because we're making a third documentary but one of the things we're going to talk about is relationships and obviously when those hormones suddenly disappear lots of women do not want to have sex and in our poll 54% had lost interest in sex in their late 40s and early 50s and you know if we're all going to live to be 83 or 90 that that's a lot of years that that are missing yeah. that we shouldn't miss out, you know. Yeah. And I want you know, you not, know, not what, to put light on it either, Kate. Men on that, you know, yeah. yourself and not, you know, not to put light on it. That. There's a lot of men. Sorry, there's a delay. There's a lot of men, and I know probably one or two of them listening here that that they're living with someone that that they love very much, but but God Almighty, at the moment they can't predict them from one end of the day to the other. It's just <laughs> nature. Yeah. They don't hate you all of a sudden. It's just nature. Yeah. No, but it's so worth knowing, but also so worth knowing. And, you know, you're a morning show, but let's use the word vaginal estrogen. And that is so fantastic. So safe. You pop a little bit up and, you know, it means that everything is really healthy and juicy and your vagina is fine and it's fantastic. And you will be much happier having sex. And it's cheap as chips, you know, and you can ask your doctor for it. And it makes a huge difference to women's, um, you know, and it also helps with urinary tract infections too. So it's a kind of super win-win that for everybody concerned and anyone who wants to ride a bicycle, you know, a lot. You know, it really, really, and you know, we, 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 we don't like to mention those things, but my God, it's important. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's part of your day every day. And there's yeah. a really simple solution. And the more we can normalize it and make it ordinary and that men and women can talk about that together. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it probably save us all from divorce. You know. <laughs> <laughs> a quick question, Kate, before I let you go. Eileen has been on to know, is it still okay that you, can you still get sweats in your 60s? Yes. And I've got in my book some women in Sweden who are 85 and 16% of them were still getting night sweats and hot flushes in a Swedish study. So, um, you know, and and also you can start HRT very gently a little bit at a time later in life. You know, lots of people do go in and start it in their 60s. So, yes, I'm afraid, you know, some of us are unlucky. Okay. Well, seeing as this program is, uh, we make it a safe space for people to talk openly and very honestly about menopause. I'm I'm sure we will speak again, Kate. It's been a pleasure to have you on The Opinion Line. Kate Muir, who's the author of Everything You Need to Know About the Menopause and the producer of Davina McCall's documentaries. And a third one on the way dealing with how men handle this 0818 96 96 96 a breaking story oh I remember this I remember this case crikey Guardian Bandon have arrested a man in his early 70s uh, this morning and it relates to the murder of a woman called Nora Sheehan in Balifahan in June of 1981 that's like 41 years ago I was only 
young at the time. I was only a teenager at the time, but I remember this. Because back then, murders were, you wouldn't get 10 a pen like you do now. But this man was arrested today, and he's due to appear at Skibbereen District Court, charged in relation to that murder. And investigations are ongoing. That's a fascinating story breaking this morning. Guardian Bandon arrested a man in his early 70s in relation to a murder of Nora Sheehan, Balifahan, 41 years ago, June 1981. 0818 96 96 96. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Big, big, big turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning welcome along to the programme lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan Sundays 10am to 2pm with Hidden Hearing tuning you in so you don't miss a thing and we've been doing it for over 30 years hiddenhearing.ie Courts 96FM Here's one I mustn't forget. Uh, Cork Nature Network is delighted to invite you to their fundraising concert this weekend. It's next weekend, actually, with Cork-based songwriter and performer Anya Duffy. Uh, It'll be at the Marina Market on the 9th July at 2 o'clock, completely free, but donations will be collected on site. Uh, Anya says she's always had a love of nature since she was a small child, so it was very hard to keep her inside, and she's doing something now to give back. So Cork Nature Network, that's fundraiser, July 9th at the Marina Market. And I mentioned they were talking about the, the music panel and how you can win a 100 euro, euro a pennies voucher for voting in a music panel, and I said you'd nearly buy half a penny's shop for that. Oh, pennies have gotten very saucy, you know, PJ. 100 euro just about to get you a new dress, a pair of shoes, and all the kids' socks and underwear, maybe pyjamas if you're lucky. For 100 quid, yeah? Yeah, that's a wheelbarrow load, like. I've also done the survey. I'm not complaining. Just so you'd know the men don't be in shopping. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thanks. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I love this idea. You take a tour of Cork, all right? On an old bus, the old buses from the old days, when you went in the back and up the stairs and there was a conductor, you go in to take a, a, a tour of Cork on an old bus. And while you're going around, you're served afternoon tea. Like such a cool idea. Kira McGahey, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You're coming to do this in Cork. Such a lovely idea. When's it happening? Yes, yeah, so we're coming down this Saturday and Sunday, um, and then again we're coming down in November. So this, I think, this is our ninth weekend down in Cork, kind of over the years. Hmm. Tell me about the bus. It's a beauty. Yeah, so we've um, two buses at the moment. So we've Pauline and Kitty, um, and they're from uh, Kitty's <laughs> the from nineteen sixty-four. Called... The, bu- the buses <laughs> are called Pauline and Kitty, right? Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so we've Pauline and Kitty. Yeah, so Pauline is from 1961 and Kitty is from 1964. And they're old London Routemaster buses. So like yeah. you said, they have, you know, the open back platform with the pole and the stairs going up. And then they have the half cab at the front where the driver sits. Yeah, they were beauties. We remember them around Cork. Uh, in, in, in the Jumping on the back. Yeah, that, uh, oh, don't. <laughs> Oh, don't! But the and the the, the 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 afternoon tea element of it is is the beauty. Where's that? How how does that work? 
Yeah, so you have afternoon tea on board. We kind of wanted to create that um, kind of old nostalgia of, you know, the Irish mammy's kitchen, you know, where everyone's welcome in on board. Um, everyone's welcome in, no matter who you are, for tea and cake. You know, it's afternoon tea the Irish way. You can have a bit of fun on board. There's a bit of crack. You don't have to be on your best behavior. Um, so, yeah, when you come on board, your afternoon tea is all laid out. And then your tea, coffee, all that is served in um, thermal keep cups and Spoiler alert, if you're coming on board this weekend, they're yours to keep at the end. Dear, great. And what, what do you go to see? What's the route of the tour? So we start at the Maldron Hotel at the South Mall um, and then we go round Patrick Street, um, the Victorian Quarter, down the Keys um, and then up towards um, the jail. And we actually stop at the jail where people can go out and kind of, you know, there's a beautiful view of Cork um, City up there and get photos with the bus, um, stretch the legs and then back on and head back then towards the Maldron. Right. Now you got a book. So where do you book? So, yeah, you can book online. Um, so it's vintageteatrips.ie or you can book over the phone as well. Um, okay. Yeah. Vintageteatrips.ie. Are you busy this weekend, coming? Yeah, so we we're, we're five runs this weekend. Um, so the 115 tours are sold out, but we still have space on our 3.30 tours each day and the 11 a.m. tour on the Sunday. Okay. All right. Listen, Kira, have a good weekend. Pauline and Kitty. And Jean is on the way. She's coming soon. Oh, oh. I'm, who <laughs> chose those names, by the way? So Karen, the owner. So they're named after her two grannies. Um, that's where she got the idea of this kind of, um, of, the, of the kind of afternoon tea on board, okay. uh, a beautiful romantic bus. Excellent. All right. And they're, they're gorgeously made up and, and presented as well. Kira, thank you. Uh, VintageTeatrips.ie if you want to book Pauline and Kitty. I'm just thinking here, buses like, I don't know, is a bus more like, Fergal is saying a bus is more like a Humphrey. <laughs> what would be a good, this is going to sound so corny, but let's do it for the crack. It's Tuesday and it's cold, even though the sun is trying to come out. What is a good name for a bus? So there's the bus. Actually, there's there's the bus passing down the road now. What is a good name for a bus? Bertie, the bus. For some reason, the name that's coming to my mind is Stuart. I don't know why. Stuart, Stuart, the bus. It just has a certain authority to it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Hear all the biggest hits from your favorite festival stars nonstop. Course ninety six FM's Back Garden Festival is now streaming exclusively online. Listen on our app or go to ninety six FM.ie. The Back Garden Festival with Harvey Norman and JBL. Your specialist in sound this summer. Corks ninety six FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. <laughs> I used to be a bus conductor. And the best name for the bus was late again. <laughs> bus conductors. Are they completely gone now? There's probably people listening to me who have absolutely no idea what a bus conductor is. Is or was. Oh, there was one quite recently on the 207. Crikey. I haven't seen a bus conductor for years. It's all done to the driver now and leap cards and that kind of thing. Janie, 
Uh, they didn't have to leave or upskill or anything. I think they just got moved around. They were just uh, encouraged to retire, I guess, or whatever. Uh, but bus conductors, yeah, um, thanks for that. I think the bus we all have in our head is the Red London bus. So I think of England when I think of a bus and Basil. It all just fits together for me. Basil, the red bus. Yeah, wasn't there orange? Were, the buses in Cork, were they orange at one point? They were orange, weren't they? they were, yeah. Those big buses were orange. Old Johnny, says this suggestion, or, or Samantha. Yeah. No, I'm still not being dragged right, right, away from Stuart. Uh, Stuart, I like. But your your thoughts, uh, 0818-96-96-96 or 083-396-96-96. You have a bus sitting outside your front door right now. And your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to name that bus. Best name you can come up with. 0818-96-96-96. A couple of weeks ago, somebody asked us, lads, what's happening with Anya Carroll? We haven't heard any new music from Anya in a while, which is a very good question. And we used to play her song Sweatshirt here a lot on 96FM. In fact, it was one of our select Irish tunes a while back. But what's going on with, with Anya these days? Well, she's on the end of the line right now. Hello there. What's the story? Here I am. I'm all right. I'm all right. What are you at these days? We haven't heard new music from you in a while. I know, I know. It's been about two years. Um, I don't know, I suppose I've just been writing and trying to teach myself how to produce. Um, I had a bit of a break, so I'm doing gigs at the moment and there'll be new music soon. Right. Are you London-based now, on you all the time, or what's the story? No, I'm kind of over and back. Right now I'm back in Cork, um, but I think I'll go to London now again in September. Just we'll see what happens. Yeah. Was lockdown difficult? Did you do any anything during lockdown? Yeah, I mean, you know, we didn't have any gigs, so that was... Um, that was kind of bad, but like I did do a lot of writing during lockdown. That was the main thing because you know we were locked in, like so I didn't really have anything yeah. else to do. Um, so I do have a lot of songs uh, written. I'm just trying to sort out producers and you know get it all up and running. So hopefully, maybe September, October time there'll be a new tune. Yeah, it's a big crazy business. Is it a bit frightening at times when you head over there first? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Like the first song that I released was Sweatshirt a couple of years ago and I was so nervous. I was a bag of nerves because like you're putting your literally life and soul into a song and like you're just going to be thinking like, are people even going to listen to it? Like, are they going to like it? Um, yeah. But like I was happy out then, like once the song was released. It's like it's a bit of a yeah. relief. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the importance of production. Like, it's amazing because remember when, when it came back to us and it came up for Select Irish I, we yeah. all remember your your lovely, gentle Cork accent, and then there's this huge <laughs> production number. Brilliant! It's just, and it, like it's exciting. Like going into studios and meeting producers and all that. That's when you go over there first, I guess, as a, as a young a young girl fresh into the industry. It's all a bit daunting. Mm -hmm. Had anybody minding you or looking after you? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I mean, like when I moved to London, um, I met loads of people. I was in college there, like in a music college. So I met loads of people, and then I went to Los Angeles two years ago, and I got to meet um, my producer now. His name is Focus, and he actually works for Dr. Dre and Aftermath. So cool. once I got like to know him, he was like he invited me to meet Dre, and I got to work with like all of these amazing people, and that like really oh, you've met Dr. Dre. Yeah, did I not tell you that before? 
No, come on, tell me more, girl. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so basically, my um, producer works for him, and then he like flew me out to LA. That was fine. We wrote a couple of songs, and that was fine. And then one day he was like, "Oh, I have to go to work there." And I was like, "Right." And he was like, "Are you coming?" And I was like, "Sorry, what do you mean? What do you mean?" And he was like, uh, "We're going to go to Dre's house, and we're going to work with him." And I was like, "What?" His and he was house. Like, oh, his house. Yeah, because like they have like a studio in LA, and then they have his like house studio. So. They kind of decide whatever he wants. If he wants to work from home, then they'll go there. If he wants to go to the other studio, they'll work. They'll go there. So I ended up going to the house, like meeting him, singing for him. Like it was literally insane, like insane. Where, where's the house? It's in Los Angeles. <laughs> That's all I can what's say. it look like? What I mean, what's it like? It's Tell me about the house. Huge. Bro. No, it's like I actually thought that the studio was his house. That's how big the studio was. And then when I left, I was like, oh my god, his house is massive. And they were like, that was just the studio. I was like, what? <laughs> Like, the house, I swear to God, the house is the size of Cork City. I'm not even messing, like... Has he got a pool? huge. Oh, yeah, of course. You have to have a pool in LA. Crikey. What's, and what's, he, what's he like? Lovely. Like, he's, like, one of my idols, you know what I mean? So I was so nervous, and, like, my producer focus told me I had 10 minutes to get ready to meet him, and I was like, nah, like, I need at least an hour. Like, my makeup has to be perfect. My outfit has to be perfect. But, no, he was so lovely, like, so welcoming, and, you know... Because I was kind of a nobody, he did like focus it to me. He was like, when you go into this house, you have to pretend that you're a somebody. Like everyone's equal. And I was like, I'm not equal. Like, I was like, I'm from Mayfield. Like, I'm not equal to Dr. Trey. Like, <laughs> but I obviously had to pretend. <laughs> great. Um, yeah, oh, it was mad. It was actually and mad. How did he manage your name? Oh, yeah, no. Um, I mean, obviously, the spelling, they don't really understand that at all. But. Yeah. Uh, it's Anya. That's how they say it. Like Anya. Okay. Well, that's not too bad. An- that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. There's been called Amy or something. Amy. Oh yeah. I'm so used to that. Oh, over in London. Oh my God. I was Amy and Annie. Aine. Oh, mad. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you'll have your own studio. You know, with a pool in LA someday. Oh, that's the plan. Oh yeah. 100%. Really? You have to bring us all over for a barbecue then. You know. N- not a bother. The whole audience come over. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just somebody just said they're like, here's Dr. Dre, I'm from Mayfield. Like. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? I was like, watch, I'm not equal. Like, I'm not. It's not me. It's not me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, you got it. You got it. That was that was a big, big day. I I hope you took pictures. I know. See, this is the thing. I actually didn't even bring in my phone into the house because like, our focus was like, you can't obviously take like take pictures or anything like that. And I was like, okay, grand phone staying in the car, like just in case. Like, I didn't want him thinking that I was there just so I could get a picture. Do you know what I mean? I know. Maybe maybe yeah. next time, and maybe you can invite him over to your place, and, and you can get pictures then. A bit, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'll bring him into the studio. Do you know what? <laughs> That'd be okay. Any gigs coming up over the summer? Any festivals? Yeah. Um. So we're actually doing. I'm in a band at the moment called The Flames. Um. So we're just doing gigs around Cork. Um. So we're in the Oliver Plunkett on Saturday night. Cool. Um, at 11 o'clock and uh, there's a couple of other bits as well that I haven't really put on socials yet like, but everything will be put on social media anyways Okay, listen yeah, it's been great to catch up and we'll follow your career with it. someone asked Thank us a couple you. of weeks ago on you like, what's, what's the story? and we didn't know but hey, listen <laughs> you've had some adventures since we, since we last talked yes. I'm going to give Sweatshirt a spin for old time's sake yes. alright yes, and good luck do. with the career we can't wait for some new music alright? Thanks a million. Take care. Thank you.
There's Anya Carroll, jet setting with Dr. Dre and she from Mayfield. Good Anya. And gigging and making new music and hopefully we'll see some new music in the autumn. But for now, Wayne, you can hit it there. This from Anya Carroll, Sweatshirt on Corks 96 FM. I left my sweatshirt. We used to play that a lot back in the day when it was Select Irish. That's great. That's great. The Pride of Mayfield, Anya Carroll. Touring at the moment with a band locally, going over to London to record in the autumn, some new music to be released towards the back end of the year. That's Sweatshirt. <laughs> I'm just thinking of her to over in in, in, in LA in, in Dre's mansion with his pool and his studio and the whole thing and she goes, I'm from Mayfield, like what's this like? And he might, oh, that's just a great story. Lovely talking to Anya Carroll and we will talk again. Oh, 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 look at this. Look at this. The Cabinet is to sign off on new law which will allow the government bring back the mandatory wearing of masks in certain places. Uh, well, COVID is on the surge again this summer. Most people are okay. It's bouncing off them. It's not really bothering them very much. Some people are taken to the bed for a day or two, but there's a lot of it out there. There is a lot of it out there. But there you go. That'll be a big one. A lot of people will be upset about that, but that's what it is. is. Cabinet has signed off, or will sign off, on new law. It's just been announced. Uh, The government will again have the right to make mask wearing mandatory in certain Settings. Actually, there wasn't that the nurses and midwives organization were calling for this last week. Someone else mentioned it as well. Stephen Donnelly had said that it could be done, but he hadn't made any plans at that point. So we're presuming that it'll be on the bus and in the shop and anywhere where there are huge crowds. And that it's coming back. Your thoughts on that? 0818 96 96 96. We don't have a whole pile of time for it today, but it's something we might bring up tomorrow when we know more. Oh, okay. Okay, to brighten up your day, why don't you try our new online, after that news I mean, why don't you try our new online radio station which is playing the biggest hits and shining a light on Irish life with conversations around the issues that matter. It's Pride Vibes. Uh, Join us as we count down to parades and celebrations across Ireland. It's on the 96M website now, or it's on the app, or it's got its own website pridevibes.ie streaming live as we speak uh, supported by Voltrol the joy of movement listen live now with Quark's 96 of them as I ask you always as a nice favour hold on till after the opinion line and switch over then if you want to no don't do that to Simon either <laughs> he'll kill me ah look you know yourself, you know yourself. 0818 96 96 96 there's a female comedy club in Cork down in the Abbots Ale House, which is a lovely little pub. If you don't know where it is, it's down there on a corner uh, between, I think, is it Devonshire Street and Pine Street? And it's been there for yonks. Carrie Sully, good morning. Good morning. And it's down there you have your little club. Yeah, it's a lovely little pub, actually. They have a room upstairs and uh, they leave us do our thing there and once a month on a Thursday, we'd do a little comedy night up there. So what, where did the idea come from for, for a female only 
comedy club and, and why? Um, I I suppose I've been doing comedy myself for years and uh, I moved back to Cork there and I just started getting back into comedy recently and there were very few women, you know, and I love the lads, you know, the scene is lovely and there's lots of nice clubs, but I was kind of going, okay, I'm very much in a minority here. So I started trying to convince my friends to get into it. <laughs> I'd be like, you're very funny, would you ever think of giving it a go? And they were yeah. like, oh, I don't know. And and I said, well, how about if I just put on a little night? And it's first I just did one just to see how it would go. And it yeah. was great crack. And I said, well, we'll see, can we make a regular one and see, can we get more people, you know, get a sort of a momentum going, get more people to give it a shot. Yeah. Is it a tough business for a woman to get into first and then survive in? Um, I don't know. I suppose it depends uh, who 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 you encounter and how lucky you are you know um i, I can't it's kind of hard to say because i've i've never been any other way you know yeah. <laughs> um i can't really when did you compare. when did you start um i used to comedy in vancouver back in oh god i suppose it was probably 2013 when i started and then right. i stopped for a few years and then i did in england for a few years so each town is different and i suppose every time you kind of get into the scene, you kind of make friends with people in there, you know? Um, so yeah, it's my and first how, time. How did you, how did you start? Like, was it, was it always kind of as a youngster, God, I'd like to do that. No, no. I, I'm, well, I'm a very quiet person. So I always thought, Oh, that's not really, that's more for boisterous kind of more extroverted people, you know? And, um, kind of over the years I said I, I kind of looked and I could see there was other people in loads of different styles and I said actually mm. anybody could do it and I think that's an important thing for women as well because you might kind of say oh that's only for lads you know and like you, when you see other people of different types and you know diverse styles and diverse backgrounds yeah. doing it you kind of say I could do it as well like yeah the bit you, meant, yeah. you mentioned being being quiet in my experience carrie having you know interviewed a few comics um male and female they all tend to be completely different or most of them are completely different off stage and a lot of them are very quiet <laughs> Yeah, I think so. They'd be like sitting in the corner with the notebook, chalking everything down. <laughs> Everything's material. Yeah, with, with, with the possible exception of, of um, our own Ross Brown, uh, who's as mad off air and off stage as he is on it. I, <laughs> I, I sometimes wonder, does the boy have an off switch or do you just take out his battery at night? But, 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 but he himself would tell you <laughs> that he's got a very quiet side. Is it, is it that you kind of, <laughs> comics are generally quiet people and the stage is where you open up I think for some people that can be the case you know um, I mean you people do adopt their own kind of stage presence and their own persona you know and their own style really you know uh, some people are very physical and some people would be a lot more into wordplay and that kind of thing uh, you do have to I think you probably do have to open up to a certain extent you know because the more authentic you are the more the audience is with you um, I think particularly for women in comedy, like as a woman, it's more relatable when you see someone there and they're talking about an experience that you identify with. So um, you have to keep aspects, I think, of your own lived experience there. And that makes it people kind of relate to you and say, oh, yeah, I know what she's talking about. You know, or mm. they'd be laughing and saying, God, how embarrassing for her, you know, or whatever the story might be, you know. Yeah, I was chatting to 
one or two of the lads at Aiken Promotions down at the marquee and they said they could have sold two nights with Joanne's show. Like, that's an incredible success. How does the, that, that must Fantastic. really kind of say that's how good it can get for a woman. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I always kind of say to people, like, look, you know, you can definitely do it. Like, there definitely is a space there for us. You know, yeah. um, I know people say, like, oh, it can be hard and it's all men. And I mean, there's one or two bad eggs as well who will kind of take advantage. And Ireland did have a bit of a Me Too kind of moment there in 2020. Yeah. I know. Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, look at Joanne McNally, like, you know. Mm. The, well, I'll tell you, so, I there. saw I saw Joanne McNally play, oh God, um, I, I couldn't remember the name of the place now, but it was a little club. And I'd say that if there was, if there was 60 people there, there was a lot. And look at her now. And they're saying, <laughs> they were saying in Aiken Promotions, they could have sold a second night in the marquee. So there you are yeah. upstairs in the Abbott's Ale House <laughs> with your small yeah. crowd. You know, go for it, girl. Yeah. And anybody anybody else who wants to have a go. So when is the next night on? Our next night now is on Thursday, so it's in two days. Okay. So yeah, we'll um we'll be up there trying out all and our new jokes. It's just good. a space to have fun as well. Yeah, is it an open mic or do you have a, a, a lineup? Um I do have it is an open mic, but I do have it booked in advance to us, so I kinda know you know, how right. many people I'd have. You know, usually I'd have about eight-ish. Um, so who's so, on on Thursday? And then, um, <laughs> just largely a bunch of my friends. I think I've got about eight people there to, um, this week and I have um, I had 10 last time. So, yeah, just people who are just trying it out. It's, it's nearly all new people, um, yeah. but like established comedians are well. There's just not that most of the women who are taking up comedy in Cork would be quite new to it. So yeah. it's just a space for people to try it out and try out new things and see what works. And it's a friendly space. Yeah. Um, the last ones that we had, actually, the lads in the Abbotsdale House have been so supportive. You know, they're, they keep an eye on us and they kind of, they'd be like looking out for like the the people, the girls like that are performing. Um, also, like you'd see the staff like creased up behind the bar laughing, you know, so you know, like you're doing well. So Good. it's just a great, great, friendly, warm environment for them. Fantastic, fantastic. So the last Thursday <laughs> of every month upstairs at the Abbott's Ale House, <laughs> and uh, there is a bit of a, yep. a lineup planned, but sure, come along. And uh, is there an admission charge? Yep. No, not at all. Everybody's welcome as long as you're supportive, you know. Everyone's yeah. welcome to come support women in comedy so you can bring your friends. If anybody wants to give it a go, um, give me a shout. I mean, there might be a space on the night, but usually it'd be better to just message the Instagram page, Giving Lip Comedy, and um, I'll just uh, Yeah, I meant, sorry, I meant to come back. The, na- the name's brilliant. Yeah. Giving Lip. <laughs> I I just came up with it randomly. I was like, "Why do be women kind of like talking back?" You know. So I said, "Oh, giving lip, yeah." Yeah, yeah. So. And my mother used to say, "Don't you be giving me lip now." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I found a logo with kind of a lipstick kind of mouth, and I was like, "Oh, that'd be perfect." <laughs> Deadly. Well, you know what we're going to do now, Carrie? We're going to keep this tape and this podcast because when you and your crew are in the marquee. We'll play it back to you. <laughs> I, think it's I hope so. I hope so. I'm I already seeing people who did their 
there's some people already who had their first time doing stand-up with me and now I can see them signing up for all the other open mics, you know, like uh, in Collins, for example, and uh, they have an open mic. So I just, I'm glad to see them moving on and trying out all the different uh, nights in the comedy scene in Cork as well. That's fantastic. Carrie, we'll talk again, I've no doubt, because uh, and I must pop in some, some, some Thursday night and have a look at what you're at in there. Uh, that's Carrie Sully, Given Lip Comedy Night at the Abbott's Ale House this Thursday and the last Thursday of every month. Good luck, Carrie. Yeah, I meant, I'm talking to people down at the, 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 the marquee and they said that um, there was a couple of nights this year that particularly went mad. Uh, Crowded House last night was jammers, but, uh, and I was at Tommy Tiernan Sunday, and Tommy just had the place stuffed. Uh, Darrow Brian, uh, a slightly smaller crowd, but great. But they were saying to me uh, that they could have sold two nights of Joanne easily. And that's just how far we've come with female comedy in Ireland. Great to see it. Uh, yeah, on you, Carol. Meg says, great to hear that song again. Super song. On the buses. There, yeah, there was black and cream double-decker buses at one point, PJ, like a pint of Murphy's. I remember that. Weren't they Murphy's advertising Murphy's that were done up like that? That's right. Jerry the bus. Cork did have red buses, all of them. It was the colour of Great Southern. Ah, I don't know who this is now, but this is good. Great Southern ran the first buses in Ireland outside Dublin. And in fact, CIE buses had a red theme in tribute to that for quite a while. So even into the 70s, the coaches on some rural services were cream and red. You see, you learn something every day on the programme. If there's any part of the programme today you want to hear back, we've got lots of, lots of podcasts that will come up uh, during the course of the afternoon and the main show itself uh, will be available to you uh, shortly after 3 o'clock. That's just it for today, though. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. My thanks in particular today to Wayne Hilton and to Kirill Cal for his uh, assistance. I'm in Studio 1.5. Don't worry, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> I'm just here for a day or two. I will talk to you again tomorrow morning just after nine. Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Quartz 96 FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96fm.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.